Welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast. I am Adam Maya, and I am not here with Ryan Young because Mr. Young is in Hawaii doing who knows what. I don't know that there's a lot of action right now for USC, but uh, I'm sure that Ryan's getting his. <laughs> Therefore, I asked good friend Antonio Morales of The Athletic, the other AM, right? AM and AM. Yeah. Let, let's rename the show right now. We've been looking for one. Okay, Antonio's here, recently changed his Twitter avatar. This is big news between you and Joey Coffin. Keep bringing this up. <laughs> Some of the biggest news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a Q&A show that I think you're going to love. Uh, a lot of questions coming from the Trojan Talk message board. Uh, it's been riveting times in the last month with everything that happened or hasn't happened. But I'll see uh OC intrigue. Yeah, of course. So we'll be talking about that among many other things. So we're going to begin with the questions and we'll go from there. All right, the first one. If USC is truly moving to a more 3-3-5 defense next year, who do you see on the field the majority of the time? I feel like USC is already kind of in that 3-3-5 um, kind of mode. I know they have four people across the defensive line, but, I mean, one's a stand-up linebacker. Um, I think with that in mind, you obviously see Christian Rector on the field, Marlon Tupelo, uh, Tupelo too, um, Jay Tufele, um, Jordan Iacefa. I think that's kind of that four-man front that you see. Then your two linebackers would be uh, EA and John Houston, so the three linebackers will be those two and Jordan Iacefa, and then your five. And we talked about this last time I was on. The secondary is, the secondary is going to be something else next year. It's something they're going to have to really kind of cobble together. Um, you have potential at safety with Tauna Hufunga and Isaiah Polmau. Um, those are two talented guys if they can stay healthy. Uh, I think at nickel, uh, for me, maybe you have a different opinion. I think you can put... Chase Williams there because he's versatile enough sure. to where he's played corner and safety. Um, and he kind of impressed me in the Notre Dame game Oh yeah, with the way he played because he hadn't played like all year. Right. And then he came in and started and he looked uh, really good out there. He um, looked like one of their better defensive backs. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of wondered, why weren't you <laughs> playing? And, um, I'm uh, always wondering uh, <laughs> about something. And then that corner, I mean, you're going to count on those two sophomores, uh, Elijah Griffin and Greg Johnson. Uh, Greg Johnson kind of fell out of the rotation after the Washington State game, and he didn't look too confident out there. Yeah. Um, so this coaching staff and Greg Burns are going to have to kind of restore that confidence and um, get him playing at a at a better level. Um, and then, yeah, you obviously have Elijah Griffin, who's really talented on the other side of the field, um, but still needs to be more consistent. Um, so with that in mind, I think those are the guys who end up playing more um, – on defense to you. You made a good point about three three five already being something that they've been moving toward. I felt like when Porter went down in the middle of the season, the predator position changed right there. It, what Christian Rector was doing was not the same as what Porter had been doing, and 
And so he became more of a down lineman, less of the outside backer mm-hmm. that Porter had been. And and we did see a lot more three three five in the second half of the year. But they got to change something. We know that they're going to use five defensive backs, and, and they should. And that's really where football is at. It's not just yeah. the Pac-12. It, the yeah. NFL, it, basically everyone's using five defensive backs now regularly. You saw the Chargers in the playoffs. Using, seven. Right, and that was a little bit different. They were using these guys as linebackers. But, uh, you just I, need more speed on the field. Yeah, right. I I don't know about Jordan Alexeffa right now. Uh, he's a senior, mm-hmm. and he's gained Clancy Pendergast's trust. I felt I thought he'd be a bit more effective. Yeah, that's what I like. We had to do these defensive depth charts, and that's kind of what I wrote the other day. Is like you didn't really notice his game to game impact all that much. I know that's a guy they're high on after the seventeen season and in training camp he looked pretty good, but. I mean, you just didn't notice him that much on the field yeah. um, last season. He was really he had really quiet games. So because of that, that is where I wonder maybe Rector becomes the stand-up backer at times. I mean, not, nothing is all the time. Yeah. But maybe he does that more. And with the down lineman, you're you're leaning more on Peely and yeah, Tefeli and Tui Polo too. They just need to be more productive almost to every spot, yeah. in my opinion. I don't feel like there's a lot of people that have anything really locked up. I, I know that Rector is going to play a lot, but even he needs to be better against the run. Yeah. And so I'm not as worried about the the alignment right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more... You just need more production from everybody. Yeah, I'm looking at personnel. Yeah. And... You have experience now in the defensive line. You got to replace a couple linebackers with Cam gone and and Porter gone. We know EA will figure in that mm-hmm. equation. I expect him to be the middle linebacker. John Houston is going to be the weak side linebacker, mm-hmm. whether you think he should or not. That's just what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I'm I'm betting on that. Yeah. And therefore, the, all the other spots to me got to be up for grabs. Uh, I. I I would put Houston in that group in terms of should be open competition. Uh, and even EA, like, you know, he go in that job. Yeah. Um, right now, if I'm Clemson Pendergast, I'm saying, who's my best 11? Prove it to me. I don't know who it is. Yeah, I was watching the UCLA game the other day, and I was like, wow, Oof. these guys really gave up like 300 rushing yards to, to UCLA. Yeah. Um, a a three-win UCLA team, so, I mean, nothing should be assured Right. Um, with this roster and this defense next year. Yeah. But, uh, but the question's valid, and I think that we could see even more 3-3-5, or, but it's still going to be some 2-4-5. Maybe it'll be a little 4-2-5. I don't know. It, that, to me, is not as important right now as figuring out who who's best and who works where? Yeah, you know, and I just feel like for too long now we've seen players that were productive that weren't playing enough. Levi Jones springs to mind. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Of course, he got benched for three games, <laughs> right? I mean, he was filling in for Cam while Cam was injured, and then Cam comes back in November, and EA basically didn't play until the Notre Dame game. Yeah. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he is one of your better players, then he yeah, needs to play. play. Uh, USC has not been able to figure that out at some times. 
The other question we got uh, from the same subscriber was, which player on the roster from any position has the longest and best pro career, if you're guessing? That's hard. Yeah. If I had to guess, I would say, just because I think he's really solid, I'm in Ross St. Brown. I okay. Th- I think he can be dependable, like a slot receiver in the NFL who just plays a long time, runs really good routes. I know he's had some fumble, some fumble problems, but he has really good hands. Right. Um, just a playmaker. If I had to guess right now, I think it could be Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, the hard part with this is that like, even if you include the players that are leaving right now and uh, you know that, that just graduated – they're not going to be drafted particularly yeah, high. high. You know, I, I don't know that they'll even be a J2 guy. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, totally up in the air. I know. Right. It could happen, yeah. but I, there's no one that you know will be drafted J2. Where last year, all four that got drafted were J, J1 and J2. Yeah. Sam was J1 and the other three. Ronald Jones. and Rasheem, Ronald, and Yuchenna were all J2. Uh this year, I don't know that any of them go J2. None of them are going J1. There will be some J3 guys, at least. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning young. You know, among Roxanne Brown's good pick, I like EA. I, I like him. Like, I, I could just see him playing in the NFL. But he's just so far away from that right now yeah. that, that that just seems like a reach. Um, I don't have a great answer, unfortunately. I really don't. Uh, I, I will give you one. Michael Pittman. I mean, I I like what he brings to the table. I think that his uh, toughness and size, uh, his competitiveness, physicality, uh, his hands. He's a lot of traits yeah. that I think just would mean that he would he would play in the NFL and would be a superstar. Too early to call that, but I think uh, he'll 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 stick in the NFL. So that's what I feel confident about right now. Uh, but that's always something I think about with these guys, and I think that's also something that's also valid for why they are where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just not the top yeah, end talent, right? That... We thought like this team would probably have more depth last year than it ended up having. And uh, some of the teams in the past that even won 10 and 11 games felt like they didn't have a lot of depth, but they were really good maybe with their starters. But they had NFL guys. Mm-hmm. And this past team did not have a lot of NFL talent. Yeah. At least, like, obvious NFL talent. Yeah, like, those teams had, they were probably top heavy, but that right. top yeah, heavy talent. Juju and yeah, Dory. Yeah. Could take you over the top, is what this team is just a lot of solid players and sometimes right. it's not going to take you over the top and get you wins. Yeah, but I think when you're when you're looking at maybe going beyond winning the conference, mm-hmm. you need some horses. Yeah. You need guys Definitely. that are that are going in the first round. Yeah. In the second round. And that's where those that 16 recruiting class hurts. Yeah. And some of the misses in the 17 recruiting class hurt. Right. Anybody we're, we're kind of overlooking here that you think like just you figure to be, and like that you you're confident right now that would be an NFL guy. I mean, I think EA would be, but you already mentioned him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still kind of wait and see with Elijah Griffin. Oh uh, yeah. Um, Talna Hufanga could be really good. 
Yeah, I like him a lot. I I like some of these freshmen. Yeah. Like you said, it's all young. So it's hard to project. I, I can't put them in the league yet. Yeah. And I, like, I'm looking at their, their senior class for 2019. And it's going to be another year where it's not going to be a big yeah, NFL exodus, draft class. Yeah. Pittman will be the only guy. We'll see what Vaughn's. I know Vaughn's won't be a senior next year, but I mean, he'll be a Yeah, he could guy. go. Yeah, it's wait and see. And again, I appreciate the question, even if we don't have a great answer for it, because I think it does shed a light on where USC is at right now. All right, next one. Can and will USC fill the remaining slots in this recruiting class and with who? (laughs) Seems like a lot of chips have fallen off the board recently and the target pool is pretty shallow. Yeah, it definitely is. I can't just tell you who right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not a lot. Yeah. I think there are a couple defensive backs that are definitely in play, uh, like Tua Stevie Nomura, and then a kid from uh, Arkansas, or committed to Arkansas, Adonis Okay, is another guy that they might flip late. They still have Puka Nakua committed. But it's kind of wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> and Puka's still saying that he's on board. And then I or Oregon offered him recently. Right. And... He's just got a lot of attention and this is such a big receiver class. Kyle Ford. I know you've been in contact with the family there. Yeah. What do you think about Kyle Ford? Do you think he's coming? I, I mean, right now I would think he's coming, but it's kind of like the dad said, it's we're gonna wait and see what happens with the offensive coordinator um, yeah. stuff. They wanted it, that like he's like he told me that you know, they haven't signed their letter of intent yet, so right. We, they, they intend to see how everything plays out in the future. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of an interesting dynamic going on with that. Without a coordinator, it's really hard to to even give a, a guess on them on offense. And then, like I mentioned, a couple defensive backs. Uh, there are a handful of guys, the targets at the Polynesian Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I have an update on where they stand on the site, uh, where USC is fighting for you know, Noah Pola Gates and Enoch Vimahi, offensive lineman, linebacker Henry Toto. I don't know how yeah, to pronounce but his isn't, name. Yeah, isn't Alabama kind of... But Alabama just lost their defensive yeah. coordinator. And then defensive tackle Javon Elliott. These are all people that USC really want and they could use. Uh, again, I have the latest on the site. They're not going to fill this class to the to the brim because they actually have room for nine. That that's what they could bring in because they borrowed or they they, they moved they, four. They moved four to twenty eighteen. Yeah. With the early enrollees. So they're not gonna fill it in that sense, but it is a pretty sizable class. Mm-hmm. And and that's why they're they're still in on all these guys and they would take all of them if they can get them. How many more do they really add? Probably only a few. Yeah. You know, and it's going to be a matter of whether they reach with like a running back. It's a sign, guys, just to yeah. for depth yeah. purposes. Uh, it's another thing I wrote about recently where with Jordan Wilmore decommitting, they really need another running back on the roster. Technically, it doesn't have to be a 2019 running back. And my guess would be that it won't be. They can get creative with a couple players on the roster. You look at someone like... Isaac Taylor Stewart, who, who Clay said at the first day of his spring practice, we might or a training camp. Yeah, training camp. That hey, he's played running back before, and 
Yeah. That was weird, but... That was weird because it was day one. Yeah. And it looked like they were having, like, an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> but he is not factored into the, the rotation at all at cornerback. And if he's not going to, because I don't know that he will. It's really early still, but he just didn't even... Like, he was injured for a while, yeah, and then even... Was, but even before he was injured, he wasn't really factoring into the rotation, yeah. like, um, like a threat for playing time. Yeah, and I mean, they need corners, of course. But if you're not going to play him there... If he's just going to be a backup there, the kid can fly. Yeah. And he's played running back. He has two years of experience doing it in high school. Maybe he's a little rough around the edges. Okay, you have a new running back coach. Like, iron that out. Yeah. But that's someone that I would look at, or there's always Dominic Davis who's moved back and forth mm-hmm. multiple times. Uh, now, I, I think he is a running back more than he's a defensive back. That's another guy that I'm not really sure that they, they take seriously mm-hmm. in, in their secondary. So you can put him there. The point is, they need help at running back, too. Okay. They need help at both, but if you're not going to play these guys at... Corner. In, yeah, because yeah, defensive back, you don't rotate as much. You're trying to find people that you like and that you want to really rely mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Where at running back, you, you have backups, you do rotate, you can use four or five in a game. Not every game, but some games. But you also want to have guys ready to go because it's a place where people get injured a lot. Mm. And they just don't have enough. Right now, they got three backs coming back and then King and Christian, yeah. who they signed. And it's just not enough. Yeah, no, for sure. Because um, you saw, I think it was the Cal game, I think Sed got hurt. Um, then... They basically didn't play the whole game, right? He got hurt like in the first series. Yeah, and then... Stephen Carr got hurt the week before that. Yeah, he was out. And then Vavai went down, like, in the third or fourth quarter of the game, and he had to, like, leave for a series. Yeah. And there was just Marquis Stepp. Like, That's it. That was it. That was it. Um, you can't have four. Yeah. Just, so Not there. You know, these things tend to happen. Like, that stuff kind of plays out over the course of the season. It's where you need to build depth there. Yeah. So I, I know we didn't directly answer your question there, but uh, I, I can't tell you right now definitively – who's going to fill this class. Yeah. Uh, but I do have some answers um, at the, uh, on the message board. Look, look for the uh, inside info from the Polynesian Bowl. Okay. Next question. Adam, do you believe with proper coaching that our roster is strong enough to compete on a national level? Do you think Saban or Gabo could do here what they're currently doing in Bama and Clemson? Those are two different questions. <laughs> okay. So the latter question, of course, uh, of course they could win, like they, they could build a dynasty. Yeah, those coaches could at win USC at a lot of places. Right. Yes, they can. Now, do I believe the current roster is strong enough to compete on a national level? Depends on how you define national level. Because two years ago, they were in the Cotton Bowl. The year before that, in the Rose Bowl, a lot of people would regard that as competing. At yeah, the national level. Two years ago, they finished third in the they country. They finished number three in the country. Now, they, they were not number three in the final CFP ranking, which is actually more important, I would say, than where you finish ranking-wise outside of winning the national title because that CFP ranking is determining whether you're in the final four. Yeah. And they were not in the final four, and they were not really in the conversation for the final four in either 2016 or 2017. They were outside of it, but they were in the New Year's Six. 
So if you classify that as competing on a national level, then they've already proven that they've done it. And they did that with Clay Helton. Yeah. Do I think, again, proper coaching, I don't, that, that, that's a hard thing to define. Yeah. I, I think I know what you're getting at. You're saying that they're not getting it, and you're saying with other coaches, could they compete on a national level with this roster? Well, again, they, they already did, I would say, just two years ago. Uh, if you're talking about the 2019 roster... <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, Go for it, Antonio. <laughs> just given that it's a young team, it's an inexperienced team, and like like we were talking about with the draft stuff, like a lot of this... These are guys that are going to have to develop, and some of them just aren't there yet. Um, if you look at if you look at the Clemson and Alabama national title game, and you look at those rosters, and you compare it to this USC roster, it's kind of there's a big gap there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, NFL trap is showing that. That's yeah, not our opinion. There's a big gap there, and so you know, I don't. I think the talent still needs to be developed, and yeah, they're kind of a ways away from that. So, I like the roster in theory. Uh, competing on a national level in 2019, no, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna say no. Yeah. My my cake is no. Uh, I don't think that proper coaching, I guess, would just flip that like overnight. It- However, I do see the the makings, I guess, and the possible foundation to be competing on a national level with this roster soon. Like, let's say, like, 2020. They would need the lines to develop. Yeah. Um, I think that's the main difference between, you see, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, is those guys turn out linemen, offensive linemen and defensive linemen every year. I think they got the recruits on the line, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. that they've, de- they've developed. Yeah. Right? Like, two different things there. It's not mm-hmm. like they just have to bring them all in and they have none of it. Like, yeah. I think they have pieces that would need to develop. And who's to say that won't happen mm-hmm. right now? Technically, you have new coaches on the offensive and defensive line. Yeah. Obviously, with defensive line, but also with Drevno on the offensive line. So... We'll have to see where this is headed. Mm-hmm. It's so hard right now because when I look at USC, I only think about 2019, and I, and I just don't know if the current regime survives beyond that. I mean, yeah, nobody, right? <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. And, and therefore, like, it's hard for me to even project 2020 yeah. and coaching you have to, you have and to development. Get first and then yeah. everything else will sort itself out. It's all about 2019. And I don't see them competing on a national level, but I do like a lot of the talent. Yeah. And I like it for beyond 2019. Yeah, 2020 will be, should be it, when these guys are more mature and in their third years. Right. So if you're years. asking about this proper coaching, if, you, if you're alluding to coaching changes and different coaching or better coaching with this roster, well, we already know the coaching staff right now outside of, you know, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And then strength and conditioning, as I've reported, Yvonne Lewis is going to the Seattle Seahawks. So they're going to make a change there. But I don't think that with just another offensive coordinator, like I did with Cliff Kingsbury, they're competing for a national title. Yeah. 
competing for a conference title, perhaps. Yeah. But national title? Nah. Yeah. Not, not in 2019. Yeah. And therefore, it, we just have to see what that staff would be and, and how these players develop in the coming year. If there's even a coaching change at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's just a lot that's up in the air. Yeah. Okay. Of the remaining candidates at OC, who would you prefer and why? Well, I don't know who the remaining candidates are. <laughs> I don't. We, we have a hot board. Uh, there are other hot boards out there, yeah. and, and some of them are, are really fun, uh, <laughs> right? I, I think I saw uh, Sark, you know, make a cameo. <laughs> who else? Who are some of your favorites? Um, Freddie Kitchens cameo. Freddie Kitchens, the uh, coach of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Hugh so, Jackson. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen him on one. I'm not sure. Okay, we well, you could just throw him in there. Why not? <laughs> uh, we don't know definitively who candidates are. Uh, I know that they've talked to Graham Harrell. Which uh, makes sense, given, you know, they went after Kingsbury, and if you're yeah. trying to go after that kind of style, that makes sense because he played for Mike Leach. Yeah. He's, he was better than Kingsbury. Yeah, yeah. Under Mike Leach. Yeah. He's a player. And, you know, that's he's an air raid guy, and North Texas' offense has done well. I know Seth Luttrell's kind of viewed as the brains behind the offense, though. Um, but, I mean, he's learned under good guys from, like, Luttrell and Leach when he was coach at Washington State, too. Um, so he's kind of one of the up-and-comers sure. in, in the game. Yeah, he'd be intriguing, I guess, if you are committed to the air raid. I know Mike Sanford was another guy that they talked to. Uh, I don't believe that's happening, though. Uh, although, with this lag, uh, maybe someone could have been in the picture at one point and then left and, and they come back. People mention Jed Fish, and I understand why, but from what I understand, uh, there would need to be a, something of a reconciliation between him and a current USC coach uh, for that to happen. Uh, so I'm not ruling it out, but right now that's just I don't think uh, there's a lot of momentum there. And you can wonder if Zach Taylor just got the Bengals a job, if that means... Jed Fish might be just staying there and becoming a quarterback's coach, coach or even offensive coordinator. The Rams technically didn't have one, yeah. but they could give him that title Emotion, as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, so whatever it is, uh, I, my opinion has been that they need to hire one immediately. And not that you just rush to hire in terms of get anybody, but uh, make moves. Yeah. You know, and go after whoever you need to. And if they say no, then then go to the next guy on the board. I mean, Alabama is going to have hired an offensive coordinator and probably a defensive coordinator in the time that Kingsbury left USC. And USC still has not hired either an OC or, or now they got to hire a strength coach as well. I figured they would take I figured they would take their time though when I saw Clay's quote that said weeks. Weeks. And so I was like, okay, this is gonna take a while. Like Yeah. I was like, um, this might take some time and this like, I don't know if they're gonna rush um to get this done or not. I, I don't get it. I mean signing days a couple weeks away, you have a couple big offensive targets that uh, that care. I mean, even even linemen are are wondering about yeah because it dictates their scheme. It just keeps everything in a holding pattern. Yeah, um, 
Just Not to mention, I mean, so Kingsbury handed over his playbook, uh, meaning he gave it out to all the offensive players upon being hired by USC. They were studying that over the break, and they learned that. And I know that a lot of players were disappointed, not just because he left, but because they were prepared to, they were excited and prepared to implement that offense. Yeah. And and now they don't know what's going to be installed. Yeah, it's yeah. it just keeps, like I said, it just keeps the whole program kind of in a holding pattern. Cause in limbo. The assistants have to figure out kind of what direction they want to go in with their stuff and with their players and what what kind of offense they're going to need to learn. Um I mean, in spring spring practice is what six weeks away. Yeah, I mean, you're keeping Mike Jinks, or he's staying, I should say, mm-hmm. and he would be a good fit for for the air raid. Yeah, uh, but then with Drebno, that was going to be a little bit different for him. Yeah, and new, and therefore, do you get something more comfortable for him? I don't know. I, I don't have the answers here, but I know that they need to figure them out mm-hmm. soon. They need to identify someone quickly, I believe. Uh, the next question here is, who would be two offensive and defensive team captains for next year if you were head coach? Well, that is voted on by the players. Yeah. Uh, I know there's, there's, there's some influence from the coaching staff, but that ultimately will come down to the players. But, um, I mean, Michael Pittman, I think, is a, yeah. a really obvious one. Candidate, yeah. Um, defensively, Rector, maybe. Okay. Um, it's hard to come up with candidates because that's going to be like a young team, a, yeah. young, a young defense. Um, no, Rector and Al Steffler are both guys that could, I could see from what we know about them mm-hmm. would be good in that role. Of course, like, I, like we mentioned at the top of the show, I think they need to win their jobs. Yeah. And that, that makes things a little bit tricky. I mean, we're, we're far out right now. So, yeah. It, you know, I, there's just aren't a lot of people that I'm jump off sure about that. Yeah. Like I know that they are, you know, going to be starting, and mm-hmm. and I mean we've seen in the past sometimes where it wasn't always a starter that was a team captain back in the day. Oscar Lua was a captain and not starting, but uh, but typically that's what you get, and you you want some of your better players to fill that void. Um, you know, I could, I think a quarterback would work. I mean. Will there be an open competition? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, nobody knows. You know, like J.T. Daniels might have been the biggest winner with uh, Kingsbury leaving. Uh, but let's say, you know, he wins the job. Uh, let's say they have a competition. He wins the job in spring. Uh, or, you know, whoever wins the job. Then I'd like my quarterback to be a captain. Kevin. I I think that was missing last year. And I, I that, that element I wouldn't put on J.T. because he's yeah, a true he freshman. Yeah, and I mean, with whoever it would have been, they were going to be really young and inexperienced. But um, it's always good to have your quarterback as one of your team captains, and and you'd like to see that happen for you know whoever their starting quarterback is. Mm-hmm. Um, any other candidates? Mm, none stick out on the off the line. Uh... Other than Rector up front defensively, it's hard to think of any. Um, the secondary, not really. Um, so, like you said, you know, JT, Pittman, and Iosef and Houston are guys you're kind of waiting to see with. Right. Yeah. 
I could I, I like that question because I think about that stuff and usually I have a handle on that. Um, it's something I'll be talking about later and can I see that evolve. But right now, uh, I don't know who's going to leave this team. Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're losing a lot with Cam, with uh, Porter. You know, I mean, the captain that they lost, uh, even Toa. Toa was yeah. a really important voice uh, in that locker room. Now, Toa actually did, uh, I, you know, he was very transparent about this, but he said, you know, I, I think at times we lacked leadership. You know, and he, mm-hmm. he kind yeah. of, uh, he pointed at himself for that. He didn't point fingers at other people, but... Uh, you know, they, they needed it when they didn't have it. And I think it was hard when Porter was out yeah. for, you know, half the year mm-hmm. and Cam was even out for a critical stretch of the yeah. season. Uh, you just had different people. Marvell was captain too. He missed uh, a couple of games on the stretch. Right. Um, yeah, so those guys missed a lot of time. Um, there's just, yeah, like I, for, I forgot until you just mentioned it right now that Toa said that at at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And he was the lone offensive captain. Yeah. You know, I I think while some people kind of celebrated the fact that they had, yeah, I think three defensive captains and one on offense, and I think they had that day before, I think you need more balance. Mm-hmm. The year before, it was Sam, who also, like Toll, is kind of quiet, mm-hmm. kind of reserved. You know, I think that people take them seriously, but they're just probably not inclined to say a lot. Yeah, uh, they you know they're they're more like bring my lunch pail to work and keep my you know keep my head down and eyes focused and and take care of mine. Uh, you need people to to open their mouth, and that's where Michael Pittman I think yeah. is a prime candidate. Yeah, and uh, he's someone who uh, I think um, connects well with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, is really engaged with everybody, um, really positive. Uh, a lot of good traits, yeah. that, you know, for a captain. And you know, you could argue was their best player at times mm-hmm. last year, and um, and so they just need him on the field and off the field. So that, that's someone that I would I would definitely uh, put in putting pencil for that, or even more. Um, next question: Do you believe that USC will see all the changes that Swan mentioned at season's end? So hard uh, to tell right now. Right, quote unquote. <laughs> Uh, acknowledge and understand our deficiencies in areas that include culture, discipline, schemes, personnel, and staff. I'm going to just say no. I mean, it's hard. They don't even have an offensive coordinator yet. I thought that was dubious to begin with, though. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, that's just a lot, to, that's a lot to overhaul in one year. I mean, that 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 means new coach. In my mind, like when, when you say that, and you say that, like we have to change all that, then that means that it's all broken. Now, those aren't my words in terms of, you know, the deficiencies in all these areas. But when you're saying that, in fact, I think that begins with Lynn Swan. You know, that, that, that's where you look in the mirror. If, if your program is deficient in all these areas, then what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot to change. And Tony in, does not want to in, in one season. go all in on what I'm saying, but that's okay. And it's just a lot to change in one season just in terms of, all the things he listed. I mean, right now they don't have an offensive coordinator, um, so right. um, you're asking that guy to change, to overhaul stuff in eight months. Yeah, <laughs> that's just something that seems very unlikely. Now, if you look at it one by one, I think a lot of people would say 
that these things have seemed deficient for the most part, maybe not you know every month of the year, but for a lot of the last decade. And it, you've had a lot of turnover mm-hmm. you know, at the top. And even at, at athletic director now, where Mike Garrett was the one that initially, you know, he hired Lane Kiffin and, and he initially dealt with the sanctions uh, in 2010. And then he hands over to Hayden, who hands over to Swan. And of course, we know about all the coaching changes. And, and those are the most important figures. Yeah. You know, in this regard, I mean, assistant coaches are, are constantly churning. Yeah. You know, and even at really good programs, they typically yeah. lose Alabama. their assistant. Yeah. You know, and, and Carol Gellick got here at USC, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the, the back half of his run. But you had one athletic director and one head coach, basically for the entire 2000s. I mean, look at Oklahoma. Um, they had like a long-time AD and a long-time coach, Bob Stoops, um, and a long-time president, too. Um, and that was just stability, and that program has been extremely stable and extremely successful for most of the century. Um, so stability at the top helps. And obviously USC this decade has been uneven and up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that's kind of, you get the results that you've seen this decade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, culture again, I, I think that probably comes in, in terms of the locker room and practice and what we see, you know, on the field, I, that's the head coach. He's the one that sets that culture. So that's a question that we're going to have to ask Clay. Yeah, I mean, because he, they're he, not changing the coach right now. So how is he going to change? Yeah, and reset. He would yeah. have to basically reset everything. Yeah, and we, we wouldn't know right now because, you know, we've kind of, we're on campus as we speak, but we're not around the team, yeah. and we won't be until March. Discipline that, you know, that, that also kind of runs hand in hand. And that's kind of, I think, a part of culture mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's something that we wouldn't know right now. I mean, I, I'm not aware of any off-season stuff, you know, in terms of running a foul. Yeah. But sometimes that, that stuff happens, and we learn months later mm-hmm. because it's out of season. And the discipline that was handed down, we're not aware of. We're not privy to. Yeah. Schemes, of course, you know, we have to wait till they play. Yeah. Uh, personnel and staff. Um, well, they, they did change staff. I've talked about this agnosium with Ryan, but I haven't asked you. Do you felt like they did enough with the staff? Did they change enough in your mind? I mean, not really. Just like, because like let's been... say you're you're keeping play. That's already understood. Beyond that, after that point, do you feel like? And you don't have to like name names and fire anybody today. But yeah. do you feel like they changed enough with the staff? Not really. No, just because. I mean, this is a lot of the staff that was here last year. <laughs> Too much of it. And I mean, I think I think Clay's moves suggested that he thought the offense was the main problem. Um, I mean, which it was, but I mean, they have a lot of problems. Yeah. I mean, just not the offense. There's a lot, yeah. of, there's a lot of problems on the team. You just watch that, you still like it, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it probably reminded you of like, oh yeah, like wow, I mean, the offense got you rolling in the first half yeah. and, and yet they were, they were going back and forth. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of problems on the team, so probably, and I know 
they they reference Notre Dame that 2016 Notre Dame season and the following right. offseason so much. But I mean, they fired the defensive coordinator. Mike Sanford left. Yeah. But I mean, but they hired a new OC. They got a new special teams coach, I believe. Um, it was just a complete and strength coach, I believe. Yeah, it was a complete staff overhaul. I know our guy at the athletic, Pete Sampson. I yeah ran that by him. He was like Brian Kelly changed. Brian Kelly changed so much um, that off season. Um, that's what this off season is going to require Clay to do. He's going to need to change, um, you know, what he does because that can't happen again. Yeah, and, and who's who's involved with it? I mean, yeah. part of it looking different is. You know, I mean, it's not just Clay, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think of even like the Seattle Seahawks, who had to rebuild on the fly, and they did a pretty good job yeah. this past season. They fired both their offensive and defensive coordinator and after the 2017 season. And Chris Richard's highly thought of. Right. He's highly thought of, and Pete Carroll said, you know, we're, you know, we got to move on. Yeah, um, yeah. He he was a candidate for head coaching jobs in the NFL, and already doing really well with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. and he will probably be an NFL head coach yeah, in the next, next couple year, years. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean this offseason is going to, you know, kind of dictate a, a lot of the direction of the future. Yeah, I, I don't get why they didn't do more. I, I really don't because. If I'm Clay Elkin, I'm desperate. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at 2019 like this is it. Yeah, if I do break. not turn around significantly, and so I'm putting out all stops, and I'm doing everything I can to improve the program wherever it can be improved, and I think everywhere it can be improved. You know, even if you think that this was good, then well, it could be better. Yeah, whatever you think was good. Like like I I've defended. Kenichi Ugezi, and I thought that was a curious move because of what he brought to the table, both in recruiting and even what I thought he had done with, with different players over the years, and I felt like the defensive linemen that maybe people felt like were supposed to be better probably wouldn't be better until this upcoming year, you know, and the proof would be in the pudding in 2019 rather than 2018, whatever. But could it have been better? Yeah, it could have been better. So if you want to upgrade him, fine, and upgrade yeah. him, but upgrade everything. Yeah, then. take that approach with everything else. Right, yeah, right. I mean, I just felt like a lot of things needed to be upgrade, upgraded, and, and they only kind of cherry-picked, mm-hmm. you know, and they just didn't upgrade enough then. Yeah. You know, like, I, I didn't understand that, um, and I felt like they're, they're, they're probably, therefore, not going to be good enough in 2019 you know I, I, I have no idea what when Swan's thinking and and kind of what his expectations are and mm-hmm. if he has what's what's uh does he have a magic con- number yeah what constitutes his progress and stuff like that yeah um, nobody it's, really knows so. the schedule is difficult it's going to be harder yeah. and therefore they could just be better but then have around the same record because mm-hmm. the schedule is so much harder and and that's why I just would have I would have been, I think, more urgent, but also more extreme, and probably would have looked to to replace almost everyone, personally. Uh, and therefore, um, all the changes that Swan alluded to, I think, uh, will end up kind of being talk. 
I, I, and I don't know why he said that. That that even that comment I thought was uh, yeah. I mean, everybody's strange. Like a lot of media people have been like kind of harping on it all off season. We're gonna use that quote forever. Yeah, um, just because it's so much. Um, like and people are like, oh, that's it. Like people are gonna be saying that for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're saying that this needs to be blown up, mm-hmm. which people already think, but then you're validating it. Whereas, you know, maybe if you think, oh, yeah, like, no, Clay's got a handle, but there are definitely things that we can tweak, then, you know, you'd be saying something completely different than that. And therefore, if you're saying this, then why wasn't there a bigger staff overhaul? We'll never know. Okay. Um, To the extent you know or can speculate What's the current temperature of the administration regarding Lin Swan? Does he still enjoy the full support of the school given his ongoing absenteeism, hiring gaps, and unfortunate bad beat on Cliff Kingsbury? You want to get that one? I'll let you take it. Okay. Well, I don't know what you hear. I hear conflicting things, right? I, there's some people that are going to that tell me that you know, that Swan's in trouble and, you know, he could be let go, even as soon as, you know, like this year. And I don't necessarily believe that, but I hear it. So it is being said um, without a president, which yeah. I, that will come. I mean, I, I don't think I'll go too much longer without one, but without one. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I don't think there, I don't believe there'd be any change made before a president would be hired. Yeah, that's what. I tend to believe too. It's just with no president in place. It's just how are you going to kind of make that move or make that big of a decision without somebody in place or without a permanent person in place? It's just it's just something that'll dictate the direction of your athletic department, and you're not going to want to make that without a president in place. Yeah. I think we have a lot to find out about the school. I know there's a reputation growing that they don't care about football the way that they did or about being great at football, right? Football will always be important, of course. Um, I have fans telling me that, you know, I mean, really, like I know many that are are not uh, renewing their seats or already gave them up. I mean... You see a lot of that on, on our message board. And not because they they don't want to back the program, right? And not, not because they don't care about the team. They, they, do, they care deeply. They, they care more about the team than it seems like the school does. And, and I feel like what's been lost is the community in terms of, you know, the way that football games brought a lot of people together. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just on on those Saturdays in the fall, but even throughout the year, it was a special thing to to rekindle relationships and to meet up and to remain connected and and keep that, I guess that uh, that conversation, that dialogue, uh, you know, all of it, all of it going. You know, that's something that as a kid I, I grew up on, and I remember. And and feeling a part of, you know, and my gra- my grandfather happened to work at the Coliseum for about 30 years. And, and so that's something that always, uh, you know, that, that always drew me and 
and what I always wanted to be a part of. I mean, I remember when I, when I came to USC before I even got in and I was applying and everybody was asking me about like what I wanted to go for and what I was going to major in. And initially, to be honest, I didn't even think about that stuff. I didn't care. I just wanted to be at USC yeah. and I wanted to go to the football games, which <laughs> yeah. I'd already been going to, but I just wanted to be at USC and it, it that was like a, a lifelong dream to go there. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I wasn't even, you know, an athlete of that caliber. I was not going to play at USC, but I just want to go to what is obviously a tremendous academic institution, but more so because of the football program. You know, that, that was me as a, as a kid, as a teenager. Of course, uh, it became about much more than that as I grew up and grew older. Um, and I feel like, that's kind of, I don't want to say dying, but it's, it's, uh, it's dissipating a little bit. I mean, when you see the, they didn't crack 60,000 in attendance last year for a game. I mean, yeah. Um, that's kind of right. telling. And 15 I mean, years. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with the attendance this season. Um, they, they went 15 years without a single game being under 60,000. No, they didn't crack. And they did it the entire year. <laughs> All six games or five, right. whatever they had. Yeah, the entire year. It was, I think it was like a 30-year low in attendance. I, I don't know. And so you would hope that with a new president, uh, they, would, they would care. Yeah. And, and I think that's really where it, it would begin. And then, you know, it... it it, you get a weird vibe from Swan right now. I don't. We don't hear from him. He doesn't really make yeah, himself available. Yeah. Way to chase him up the tunnel. Remember, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and and so I, I don't. I can't put words in his mouth. Yeah. But uh, he does seem detached. I, I will acknowledge that, of course. Like that's what it seems like, and and I. I don't know. I, it seems like the athletic directors here typically, it's been like a lifetime contract. It, like a lot has had to transpire. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a lot happened eventually with Garrett. Mm -hmm. You know, he was here for a long time, but it took a lot, yeah. right, for for a move to be made there. And then with Hayden, I mean, of course he was battling with his health, but yeah. a lot went down under his watch. Of course, Kiffin, Sark, yeah, um, yeah, just a lot of stuff added up, right? Uh, and with with Swan now, I mean, he just had Clay, who. Obviously, is uh, it it it's the, the program's being run differently than it was, of course, than it was with with Sark um, or even Kiffin. But I made this point before by by bringing Clay back, you are hiring Clay. You know, where you, yeah. you did not hire Clay initially. That was Hayden's hire. But he extended him, and, and yeah, and, 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 and you know keeps him, him retained him. Yeah. So that's your guy. And and just because they're not winning, I don't know if that means that Glenn Swan's in hot water. Yeah, nobody knows. I, I get the vibe that he doesn't necessarily want to be the athletic director for a long time. You have to wonder, given his, his legacy, I mean, sure, like Pat Hayden did a lot at USC. And Mike Garrett did a lot at USC, right? Very proud Trojans. But Lynn Swan, that's a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's more like an American icon. Yeah. It goes way beyond just USC. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers and 
yeah. everywhere else. Right. And yeah, even the career that he had beyond you know, the Steelers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, NFL Hall of Famer, he's taking a beating right now. Yeah. And so I don't know that he would be fired so much as he might just resign. I can see that happening. Mm. I think uh, everything's on the table there. Okay, next question. Mr. Morales, for you. Are you interested in a pair of season tickets at cost? That makes me laugh. I can deliver anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere. That's a good one. That's a good one, but I'm not interested. I'll, I'll sit next to Adam at the game still. I'll, right. I'll take my seats. And tell me, enlighten me, because uh, I don't know the answer. Uh, before you were in the working media, did you go to games? No, no. You didn't? No. Okay. Like USC games? Or? Yeah. No, no, no. No? I was born in, born and raised in San Diego. Yeah, but I, I knew that you yeah, why. I knew you were within yeah, your yeah, shot. Yeah, but and... no. I never came to games or anything. Okay. Uh, but you were, did you kind of identify with USC? Yeah, yeah, because I went to the same high school as Reggie Bush. Yeah. Um, so I saw him play, like, when I was in middle school, I'd go to his high school games. You're just a little bit younger than him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, obviously, I would see him, watch him play at USC. Okay. All right. But you didn't make a trip? I did not. Really? Ever? Had you no. ever been? No. Really? No. So your first game was my first past year? Yeah, yeah. UNLV was my first USC game. That's beautiful. <laughs> What a memory. Yeah, a huge fourth quarter. <laughs> right? Yeah. Trojans just stepped on their throat. Dumb You'll man. never forget it. Nope. Okay. As was written by Swan, not us nor you, of the program deficiencies he listed when retaining Helton, which have been addressed and which have not, uh, how would Helton best implement his plan? Well, okay, we kind of covered that. Touch on that yeah. Right. Um, but there's been a lot of talk, and I want to know what your thought is because we can only give our take on it, really, uh, our opinion, our guess. Um, people have gone back and forth, I've heard, about whether Swan is making Clay do this, like making coaching changes, or if they're, they're from Clay. What's your vibe? What's your vibe with, with the different coaching changes? Man, I don't. This is since I, I think Clay is a survivor and he knows what he needs to do. Uh-huh. Um, you don't last. He lasted a long time in Memphis. He last, he's lasted a long time here. Yeah. Um, to me, I think he knows what, for the he knows what he needs to do and what changes he needs to make. Um, so when people are like, "Is he going to fire T. Martin? Is he going to fire Neil Calloway?" I, the answer to me was always yes, because Clay knows what he needs to do to survive. You thought he would do it in season? Not in season. Right. I, thought he I didn't would, think he would do yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, I know pe- before that happened, I know people were like, is he going to do this at the end of the season? He's like, they're having doubts. I was like, I think Clay's a survivor, and I think he knows what he needs to do. Um, so I think these have kind of been, you know, I think he's kind of led the way with this. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I think the coaching changes are coming from him, the ones that are and are not coming. Uh, now, maybe... They were encouraged? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they, they definitely talked about this stuff. And I think with Kingsbury, I think that was probably led by Swan in terms of that particular individual. We already knew that they would get a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, I think Swan probably played point on that one. But 
I don't think Swan is making Clay do anything. And that's why I think Clancy Pendergast is still here. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Can you both talk about where you stand on the issue of the role of a fan? For example, is it more right that fans stand with the program through thick and thin, or that they take an active role in expressing dissatisfaction and or seeking to create change when they feel it is necessary? If the latter was appropriate versus going too far. For example, can it see fans burning couches when Kiffin left and rejecting the Shiano hire versus the USC flyover with the banner? I thought the I thought the banner was dumb. <laughs> yeah, I thought like if you're gonna, I just thought it was just like um, there's better things to do with your money <laughs> yeah. than uh, you know spending it on a banner. Um, and the banner didn't promote any change. I know they voiced their opinions. Um, off the top, of, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like what's a better way to voice your opinions? As the fans have kind of done it by not showing up to games. Um, yeah, um, that's probably a more prudent way of doing that than a banner or um, burning couches and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think you know the banner is probably a little too far. I know the players criticized it too, um, and I think just the banner was unfair to Clay, just in terms of he's handled this whole stuff with class, <laughs> and um, he's never been whiny or you know, stuff like that. He's handled it all with class, and I thought that was kind of an unfair move and probably a little too far. I I, I believe that with a fan, you do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, it's your money, uh, it's your time, your energy, your team, right? You don't own the team, but you're giving your devotion to it. And therefore, like, I feel like a part of this question is... Uh, the underlying part about it is like the sunshine pumpers versus the doom and gloomers, mm. right? And there's a lot of debate about the stances that each side will take. Yeah. It's, all, it's kind of almost political. It's almost yeah. like a Republican versus Democrat deal uh, on our message board and, yeah. and others. And I don't think either are wrong. Yeah. When, you I, know? when I covered Ole Miss, there was a big... Um, they were upset with the administration because they felt that the administration was too compliant with the NCAA when it came to investigate them. So you had one half of the fan base that was basically like, we're not going to show up anymore because we don't want to support the administration. And then you had another half that was, we still want to show up and support these players. Um, So you could see, I could see both sides and it's ultimately yeah. up to that fan what they want to do. Well, and it, I think the hard part is like the kids are involved and it hurts them when, you when people aren't there. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it, you know, it's just it's real. Mm-hmm. Like, they feel it. Uh, they know that you're not there and they know why you're not there. And it has to do with them not playing well either. You know, I mean, while people have really been talking about coaching more than anything else and you want to hold those people responsible because they're the ones getting paid and they're the ones that are making the decisions but 
the players are the ones that are on the field. Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, I'm pointing the finger at them, but I'm saying they actually feel more responsible. Yeah, they they don't typically support. blame their coach. Yeah. They blame themselves yeah. for you not showing up. But at the same time, the prices are high, mm-hmm. and uh, you know everyone's got their, you know their 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 financial means, and and they have a lot of choices to make. And again, this involves a lot of families, mm-hmm. and it involves your weekend. And I understand. Like I, I think, like for me right now, if I was not covering the team, let's say I was, you know, I, I've been a journalist basically since I've been out of college. Mm-hmm. But if I was in another line of work where I was not working on the weekend and, and available, and, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm a USC fan, so what am I going to do on Saturday? Am I going to go? I would be turned off. I wouldn't be going. I, I, not necessarily so much in protest, per se. I mean, I never had season tickets, but that is not where I'd want to be. I, I would watch sometimes. But there are times even like I remember in 2013 before I came back on the beat and when I when I did have Saturday off, I didn't really watch. Yeah. You know, that, that's where that's where they take they, that's where they taken me then. Yeah. They really kind of turned me off. Yeah. Like you said, I think it's it like all needs context and it's like such a case by case basis with the fans of, you know, it's all depending on what's right to you and your situation. Yeah. Now, burning stuff and all that, that's just not me. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't grow up in SEC country. Yeah. Uh, I I think I'm, I have a whole different mindset than that. Yeah. You know, about, about anything. I think even if I did grow up there, that's just not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not who I am. Uh, I don't, I don't support that. I, I just don't. I I don't like the mob mentality. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of hatred involved in that. Yeah. And so that's not something that I get behind. I feel like what I see on our message board typically is more frustration and angst, not so much hatred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a tough call, but... Um, I don't blame people for not wanting to go. And I think the people that do want to go... They want to go because they appreciate the people that maybe they do get to see mm-hmm. or the experience they get to have, and it becomes about more than just what happens on the field. On the field. And, and so I get that. You know, the idea of going to a game is, is great, but then there's so much that comes with it. Um, and then when the product is not great and the, the, the prices to me are there, ugh. That's where I mean, just because like it's been a while since I've been buying tickets. I did buy tickets at one point, of course, and they were affordable. And I remember I'd buy them, you know, for my mother when I was a student, mm-hmm. and, and for my grandfather after he had stopped working at Coliseum. But now, I you don't even want to pay for that, and parking. I there's just so many there's so many things involved. I keep yeah. saying it, but uh, I don't blame people for not wanting to go. I mean. I think across college football, those prices are raising and a lot of stuff. I think I remember I covered a game at Michigan one time when I was a student at San Diego State, and parking was like a hundred bucks. And if you're losing, that's something you're not going to want to pay. Okay, will USC be beefing up its support staff this year? Well, 
they have not even replaced their their lead recruiting coordinator that they lost, mm-hmm. you know, during the year, which I, I'm I'm shocked by. Uh, I don't I don't know if a lot of people really know that, but they they haven't even made that hire. Uh, and let's get in the last couple of weeks, and I'm not aware of it, but they hadn't uh, as of the end of the year. Are they going to beef it up? I don't think they're going to do much with that. I think that the way that they're run right now uh, is not going to change until there was a change in both coach and athletic director. Yeah, it's kind of surprising to see how small the support staff is. Um, when you're just looking at the recruiting department and off-the-field staff, I think when I was at Ole Miss, um, it was – this is one of the last stories I wrote when I was on that beat. It was – I think they had 12 full-time recruiting guys and then another 10 to 15 student and part-time workers um, that were helping. Um, so that's 20-something guys right there. And at places like Alabama and Georgia and other places in the SEC like Tennessee, that's normal. Right. Um, more. They, they have more than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's somewhere place at Ole Miss, which is like middle to bottom tier of the SEC. Right. Um, and U.S. is operating with single digits here. Yeah. And so that was kind of telling to me when, you know, I finally realized how small that department is. Yeah. Now, I've really I've covered USC and UCLA, mm-hmm. so I don't have the exposure that you have. But and I mean, you weren't there, you know, let's say ten, fifteen years ago in that conference. I wonder what things were like because I have a feeling that all this has really changed in the last decade or two. Mm-hmm. And therefore, what USC might have had under Pete Carroll sufficed. Yeah. And and now it, it, they, they're, they've fallen way behind. That's yeah. my, my feeling. Yeah, cause I think it's really picked up in the past couple of years because you see more and more programs hiring Saban guys. Um, and obviously Saban, they have a ton of support staff for yeah. and off-the-field guys. So you see like Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, Kirby Smart in Georgia, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Good point. Um and Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Yeah. And these guys all kind of run that same right. plan. Well, that's the their same, influence. Yeah, same philosophy. Um, Where so. Helkin comes from Sark mm-hmm. via Kiffin, yeah. you know, via Carroll. Yeah. And so that's why I think you see that kind of spreading in the southeast. And cause there's so many saving guys that are around. And, you know, like you said, that influence. Um so I think that's why you kind of you've seen it populate throughout college football. Okay. Okay. Next question. I really like this one because I've been thinking about it too. With the departure of Cliff Kingsbury and the next offensive coordinator likely a notch or two lower in accomplishment, will Helton allow an open quarterback competition? What do you think? I think the new OC will have, in like a quote unquote, you know, open QB competition. I still see JT Daniels, you know, coming out as the starter, though. But you think it'll be like a pseudo competition in a way? I think they'll have it, but I mean, we've seen them in practice to where it's, if you're just going off of practice, that JT's the better practice player, and I'm sure that'll, yeah, and, and that's all you can go off of right now. And that's always been true. I know I've been adamant that there should be open competition, but going off of practice, JT from day one was better in practice. Yeah. I don't put all this weight into it, though, because you don't 
you got to play games, right? And and that's where I'm more intrigued by the other guys and, and having open competition because I feel like now I don't know how it would work, right? Like if you just keep winning the open competition in practice, but uh, I would have it again with another coordinator because you're going to have another offense. Yeah. So that would make sense. And it shouldn't be a pseudo competition. It needs to be open. Uh, but then going forward, if JK is struggling in games, then at least you have some game experience from the other guys where maybe you'll be more inclined to pull the trigger and make a change. Uh, but that's all hypothetical. And that's also assuming that JK would win this next competition. But my opinion is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I know. I want to take a side here. I'm not confident that they'll have an open competition. They might have to say that they're going to have one now because Kingsbury said that he was having one. Mm-hmm. So they're going to. Like, they can't just say, "Okay, yeah, JK, like you're, you're the quarterback." Course. Yeah. But, gosh, I, we don't know who the coordinator will be. But the point, the point still stands. If you're going to take another coordinator and they're not going to have the clout of Kingsbury. Then it kind of like it would. I think it would kind of like neuter your OC if like he didn't like if he wanted to have an open quarterback competition and like yeah he didn't have one. I just think that you're gonna get more clay in the offense without Kingsbury. Yeah, inevitably, even mm-hmm. if you brought in Graham Harrell, mm-hmm. I, I think you get more clay, and and therefore that's JT. Yeah, you know, I joked earlier in the show like JT was the biggest winner out of Kingsbury going to the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe even bigger than Josh Rosen. But, uh, and, I, and I make that point because uh, it's something I haven't written about, but I will tell you guys. From my sources, when Kingsbury got a look at J.K., he was not impressed. He was not excited about what he saw on tape. And granted, that was a true freshman Right and having to play without even a spring practice, but there was a reason why he doubled down on the point about there being open competition, and that JK did not have a job because he felt like the the quarterback play needed to be elevated, which I think we would all agree on. I don't think what USC got last year at quarterback was good enough, and JK was hardly the only problem on offense, but. Uh, it wasn't like he looked at JT and he saw Trevor Lawrence and he just felt like, okay, let me get my hands on the kid, which is the way it's been characterized at times. Like, he'll come to USC and he'll just be looking at chops because he has JT Daniels. Well, if you thought that, that, that was not ultimately what, what he got or what he felt. He felt like uh, he needed a lot of work and it was pretty rough. And, and I think he, he just look at the whole room and realize that this needed to be better. Yeah, I mean, JT was playing in this discombobulated kind of system last year. Oh, that, here we go. Here's the JT defense. That didn't know what it wanted to be. And so, I mean, does JT need to be better? Yes. I mean, some throws were questionable. I mean, the UCLA game from last year, some that interception in the first half, I think the second one slipped out of his hands, but the one in the first half was bad. Um, so, yeah, he makes some questionable throws. The INT against Cal was bad. Um, but, I mean, I think I still think if all those quarterbacks play their A game, I think JT's still 
the best one. Well, it's always strange to me about J.K.'s season when I went back and looked at it again is the second half of the year when you thought he probably would have taken his lumps yeah. and learned and improved. And so, like, where I kind of dismissed his struggles initially versus Stanford, versus Texas, and then, but then the Utah game, you know, in, in the back half of the year, like, why did that happen? And then the second half versus Cal or, you know, UCLA, Notre Dame, like, that was confusing to me. I mean, those are also, aside from UCLA, those are also like the best defenses they've played all year, like Cal, Utah, Notre Dame, um, Texas. But I mean, he did relatively decent against Texas considering the circumstances. Um, but yeah, he didn't improve like you'd think a true freshman would. Where Oregon went, State, even though, that he, I mean, they ran like yeah, crazy, yeah, yeah. but he didn't play very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you're not. You know what I mean? If, if you're not connecting there, um, that kind of takes me back, way back. But like Max Brown, when he played Utah State, and you know, it, it wasn't Alabama and it wasn't Stanford; it was Utah State, and and something was missing there. And, and that's kind of that same game for me with with JK Oregon State late in the year in November, and he still doesn't look that good. So that's where I, I thought like they needed to play, you know, other quarterbacks and and given where their season was at, uh, it would have been worth it. I thought to to just even rotate quarterbacks, but now in spring, like to me, it, there's really no question that they should have open competition. Would you even argue with that? That they should have open competition? Yeah, they could open competition would be good. Like we said earlier, that'll help everybody be better. That's for the culture of the program. Yeah. Open competition um, across the board. Yeah. That'll help everyone get better. Um, it'll help the urgency. Yeah. It'll just help everything. Um, but like I said, I still think JT's the best. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know what you think. And, <laughs> I mean, he has a different skill set than, than Jack Sears. And so that's another thing that, given the vacancy offensive coordinator, it's hard to know. Who even fits in best with that coordinator? Who the coordinator like? You know, there's a very real shot that he could like someone more. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I wouldn't. Right. I mean, we just don't. I remember you were making that point about Jack Sears that it might uh, bode well for him with Cliff Kingsbury, given who he's worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. That you know, I remember you were saying that early that like Sears uh, could really fit in well with with Kingsbury. Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, Kingsbury liked the guys who extend plays, and obviously Jack's more athletic than JT, so he would have that advantage. Yeah. But uh, I like this question because I have it myself. I don't, I, I don't know the answer, and you know, I, they don't know either. I, no one knows, but uh, I know that uh, Mr. JT uh, does not miss Cook Kingsbury. Okay. You know that? Yeah, I do. Okay, uh, here's a good one. Um, do the other major football powers have a separate strength and conditioning coach just for football? I mean, Ole Miss, they're not a football power, I would say. They're in the SEC, and they had their own strength and conditioning coach for football. Um, that's kind of the only other background I can go off of. 
I'm sure Alabama and those schools do too. If Ole Miss is doing it, <laughs> USC should be doing it, right? Probably. I mean, I think I says a lot that if Ole Miss is doing it, uh, I'm going to just assume that it's standard in that conference. And while the Pac-12 cannot be the SEC, uh, USC can be yeah. an SEC power, like in terms of the way that they approach things. And resources. Yeah. Um, they, they should have that approach and that mentality, that commitment. Mm-hmm. And they don't. They just don't. And so, in fact, we didn't really get a question so much about Ivan Lewis in his Q&A. Uh, the next question here was saying, you know, with the change from Ivan Lewis, um, what's the vibe with the current players? I, I can't answer that because yeah. we have had no contact with the players. However, uh, interestingly, when one of my sources that told me that Lewis was going to Seattle uh, confirmed it for me, they told me that uh, you know, some people were kind of happy about that. And yeah, they the source was even surprised. You know, they they noted that when they told me that they didn't expect to hear that. Um, and I, I don't think Ivan's unpopular by any means here, but I think it kind of speaks to the the need for change in general. Yeah. You know, there's some people that have been running things here at USC, even like Clay Helton, maybe only the head coach for three years, but been here since 2010, and Ivan came with Sark. Uh, you know, at the end of 2013, you have people in positions of power, you know, in leadership that have been here for a while, and it felt like things had gotten stale. And I, I'm not really speaking to the weight room. I'm not in there. But I'm talking about just the way things are run in the program. And sometimes new new perspectives, you know, new ideas, new visions, that can be beneficial, especially at a time like this with just talking strictly about the football program. Right. Um, that could be beneficial. That could be, you know, different can be exciting. It applies to a lot of things. I mean, even nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Port Augustine was, you know, kind of openly vocal about that uh, last year at Pac-12 Media Day. And, and you know, he's someone that, you know, knows what he's talking about in that regard uh, and has trained his body for forever, really. I mean, he, he's amazing what what he's been able to do uh, physically, and and I do feel like if they're going to change the culture, um, they probably need to make as many changes as they can with personnel. And so, um, I know the outcry and the backlash, or the support, I should say, for Ivan Lewis leaving was really strong. And uh, I'm not going to really comment on that, but I think it's just good for USC in general. I mean, and and even Carroll's doing it. Yeah, Pete Carroll's doing it. I mean, Pete Carroll's not going to He's bringing Ivan, right, (laughs) coincidentally. Yeah. But he he changed the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and now strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. And in Alabama, we've just seen changing both coordinators. Yeah. And those are winning teams. Yeah. Um, so even the, the top-level guys, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll, are willing to make those changes. Yeah. Um, and they've been at their respective places for a long time, mm-hmm. but they both feel like they needed new voices. Yeah. And like I said, 
that stuff will help. Um, just getting new ideas and new perspectives will help. I really thought Clay would attack the offseason that way, you know, after they, they lost to Notre Dame and they didn't even have bowl practices. I would have thought he'd look at 2019 and would try to make it new, you know, where he's going to be the continuity mm-hmm. because they're retaining him. And, and I know most want him to go, but if he's not being replaced, then I thought, then you should replace everything around you. Like, outside of maybe a couple particular things, I thought he needed to change a lot more and kind of reboot this program. Yeah, so it's going to... It would have to take these guys to reinvent themselves, and right. only time will tell if that, that's going to happen. Okay, final question here. What is your opinion of this year's basketball team? I haven't watched enough to <laughs> have an opinion solely to you. Good. That, that's, that, that's a good move right there. That's the right move. Yeah, no, I, I basically have boycotted that team until... Wow. Yeah, until they, they change their coach. Because I don't cover that team. So that's another team that I can just support, you know, and, and be a fan and you know, it makes me feel like a kid again. Except uh, they're worse than they were when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, they have the big recruiting class coming Sure, in. I keep hearing about that. And they've had good recruiting classes uh, before. And it hasn't seemed to matter. Yeah. Strong, I'm going to get the, the, the good coaching class. It's a strong take. I'm waiting for that. So, no, the, the basketball team is irrelevant. I mean, most of the Pac-12 is. Yeah, and yeah, they, the they're in a relevant conference. I actually worry about the Pac-12, in uh, at least in football. I don't know about basketball. I, I guess I, I don't follow the landscape close enough, but I actually believe that they can get kicked out of the Power Five. Like, I think that can happen. Is there? I don't know. I don't think it will. But um, in basketball, it's probably going to be like a one-bid league. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, football is bad, <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, you have a reason to worry about the conference as a whole. I think everybody does. But you, you scoffed when I mentioned that they can get kicked out of the power five. <laughs> because I mean, that'd be like really drastic. I, I mean, if they're not going to be in the final four and it looks like this final four is going to remain for a while. There's talk about going to eight. If that's not going to happen, then and you're not going to include all the conference champions then you need to be representing the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, there, there's some bad math there, but it's a Power Five and a Final Four and yeah. you got Notre Dame and whatever. But if they're not going to be in a Final Four at all, then what are they doing in the Power Five? Yeah, and it's not like it's not like the Big Ten where they've been left out the past two years, but like the Big Ten has Ohio State. Yeah. That's one of the best programs in the country. They have Michigan. Penn State's pretty good. Um, Michigan State usually is pretty solid. Um, Wisconsin's been good. Um, there's promising programs. I mean, the Pac 12, it's Washington and Stanford's good. And I mean, there's nothing to really kind of, you know, write home about. In five years, you had Oregon make it one time, and go Washington to the, the final, Washington make it one time, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Don't even mention the other conferences. They've all been represented more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, the Big 12's made it two or three times. Um, I think the Big 10's made it three times. Well, the, the other ones have won. Yeah. Right? Ohio the State, ACC. Alabama, Clemson. Yeah. And then you've had more of a representation from the Big 12. Yeah. No one's kicking Oklahoma out of the Power Five. Yeah. Um, but I think the Pac... I, I, I might be totally off. I'm totally spitballing here. But I think that they could be in danger long term. I don't think they'll get kicked out. But I mean, I think they're in a bad spot right if, now. If it kept going like this, if they just kept, you know, basically getting this like automatic New Year's Six bowl big, but that's it, they might get kicked out. Anyway, uh, next question. Do I see 2020 linebacker Justin Flo? Uh, where do I see him leaning? Well, I mean, I've reported that Flo is all USC, but there's only so much like one can withstand. Yeah. So if, uh, if USC is in the same place 12 months from now, then, you know, it, it, yeah, it's but... too early to, to really... To, you have to let things play out. To tell you where, yeah. Especially in recruiting, because so much can change over the course of yeah. months. But he's supposed to go to USC. And I have good sources on flow, and they've told me 100, you know? And that was a while ago. But uh, 100, you can say that when you're a year and a half out. Yeah. But uh, right now, I mean, that that's not even... they got to finish the 2019 recruiting class. Yeah. Of course, 2020 will matter as well. But um, it's just hard to recruit when... Your coach might be a lame duck. Yeah. And, and that's my, that might be what it, what it is. Um, and that wraps up our questions. Antonio? Appreciate you for having me, man. Yeah? Yeah. You'll, you'll do it again? Yeah. Maybe with Ryan, though. Not you. What about with Joey? <laughs> we'll see. What about just you and Joey? <laughs> I mean, depends on how much you guys want your ratings to go up. <laughs> I, I initially want Joey. I want and you and you. Okay, I I extend the invitation to both Joey and Antonio, and Joey couldn't do it because he was attending a wedding on campus, which I'm to fi- I was insulted to find out because we're on campus. Therefore, I think he could have done it, but with Joey, you know, you never really know what he's doing back there, right? Yeah, like if he. Is he, a, is he uh, making the meatloaf? Is he eating the meatloaf? He's a mystery guy. Yeah, what's he doing back there? Hey, you never know what you're going to enjoy. Okay, that wraps it up. Thank you for listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back next week with Ryan Young, but we're very grateful to have Antonio, who we'll have on again uh, with or without Joey. All right, thank you, Antonio. Appreciate it, man. All right.